the one thing we discovered and the, one of the things I like to, to share with people is to realize that love is not enough. Mm. We, you think, you know, and you can shower them with love to, to raise them. But over time, we realized that there were some challenges we weren't aware of. You are listening to the She Is a VIP podcast. This is a show created for women living with or caring for someone who is visually impaired. The She Is a VIP community is made up of women who believe that their VIP status stretches far beyond their visual impairment. We are a community who understand that we are very important people who hold a very important place in the world and that we have a very important purpose to fulfill. I'm Bambi French, and if you are ready to shine a light on your status as a VIP, download, subscribe, and join me each and every week for the encouragement and inspiration you need to help you step into all that you have been created to be. Hi, it's Bambi and welcome to another episode of the She Is A VIP podcast. If you've been listening for a while now, welcome back. And if you're new here, here's what you need to know. This community is made up of women who are living with a visual impairment or caring for someone with sight loss. The mission of She Is A VIP is to inspire, encourage and empower women and girls to live a life that is not defined by their limitations. If this is making sense to you and you want to know more, you can go to the website sheisavip.com and there you'll find all the information you need. So this week I'm talking to Tim Morden all about the benefits that the practice of journaling can have, both when we're facing particular difficulties in our lives and in those times when it seems as though things are going just fine. Tim Morden is known as the professional encourager. Tim is a storyteller, adoptive parent, and template architect. Let's get into today's episode. Hi, Tim. Welcome to the She's a VIP podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, Bambi. Thanks for having me on today. I really appreciate it. Oh, well, thanks so much for, for being part of the show today. Um, it's, it's good to see you again, actually, because we were in a program, weren't we, a few, a few was it months ago now, weeks, months? <laughs> it feels like oh, a no, it it's gone fast since made to do this ended yeah exactly we were we were both in uh kathy heller's made to do this program that started it started in did it start in january when did it yes, start it, yeah it started did in january start? and i think yeah. we went through we went into april i guess it was yeah it, when it, yeah, ended. it, was, 12, it was 12 crazy weeks of just mm-hmm. you know, learning and fun but it was it was good and yeah, I remember we, we met a few times. We weren't actually in the same group, but we met a few times in, in the different in different groups. And yeah, as I'm as I've been planning this podcast and 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 gone through the process of thinking about what I want to bring to my audience, I yeah, I remembered you and your work. I obviously follow you on Instagram and see what you do. And I and I really think that you'll be able to um add add some wisdom today and add some real, you know real inspiration for the listeners so no pressure (laughs) (laughs) none at all (laughs) so if you wanted to start by telling us a bit about yourself um who you are what you do where you live because you don't live where I live so tell tell us all about that (laughs) no I'm I'm the one without the accent or at least uh (laughs) you have got an accent (laughs) because 
to me you have <laughs> yeah it's well and it depends on where you where people are from that some people say i have a southern accent but i'm actually i live in the midwest okay. in uh, indiana in the u.s so <laughs> but yeah when i went went away to college i went to central indiana and they said you're a southerner and i said I'm from Indiana. No, you're a Southerner. I said, no, but that's okay. But yeah, I'm from Indiana, mm -hmm. uh, born and raised here my whole life, actually grew up three miles from here <laughs> and uh, ended up marrying a, a woman from New York. And we decided uh, I would not uh, do well in the big city. So uh, she moved out to the country with me. So mm -hmm. I can look out my window and and see the the cows in the fields across the road and it's just uh it's a quiet life around here quieter yeah. i guess you should say but um I've, quieter uh, than new york. definitely quieter than new york would be oh my well <laughs> she she didn't live in the city but mm -hmm. uh, she took me into the city one time and uh it was a little intimidating <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to say the yeah. least I have been once I have been once and yeah and I, and I used to live in London so I kind of yeah I'm kind of okay with the city but yeah I can imagine if you if you haven't if you're not used to that kind of level of busyness it can be well and, and the funny thing was we she was driving me in the city and uh, this kind of goes into my background uh, I used to be an architectural illustrator Mm -hmm. which means I, I drew buildings before they were built. And so we're driving around in the city and she says, look up. And I look up and I said, oh, I drew that building. <laughs> <laughs> Most of the yeah. buildings I, I drew, I never visited. I've, I've yeah. drawn buildings and I can't remember the names of them, but I, I drew some oh. in the UK. Yeah. Uh, I've drawn things all over the world. But mm -hmm. uh, that was my former career where I, would, I got paid to draw as I tell, yeah. tell kids. So that was pretty cool to be able to realize that dream. Yeah. Oh, that's great. So you, um, you got married, you decided that, you know, you're going to live in Indiana where you are now. Mm -hmm. um, so then what's, what was this, what's the story after, after that? So. Well, the, we, yeah, we were both, uh, we, we married later in life. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I was, I like to say my wife is the older one. She's here. She reminds me it's only 10 months, but anyway, we were 29 and 30 when we got married right. and then we wanted to start a family and we're not able to uh, conceive on our own. And so after a few years of infertility, we made the decision to uh, adopt. And so we had an adoption plan and we were fortunate to adopt uh, two boys. Uh, four years apart, uh, different birth families, but we were uh, blessed to have them uh, become in our, come into our family. And so uh, the four of us, plus our dogs, uh, we've made a home here in Indiana. And uh, one of the things that uh, we discovered is, you know, adoption is, is a great way to build a family. Uh, there are some challenges with it that we can get into a little bit and might help your audience or someone in your audience who is planning to adopt or might be in an adoption. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you adopted the boys, two boys. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, and everything was as you saw it as complete. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, uh, 
we went through all the training with the social workers and mm -hmm. and thought we knew what we needed to know to raise them uh, we we were able to adopt both of them at birth one mm -hmm. one we were actually present when he was born the other was three days old when we found when picked him up mm -hmm. but uh mm -hmm. the one thing we discovered and the one of the things i like to to share with people is to realize that love is not enough mm -hmm. we you think you know and you can shower them with love to to raise them but over time we realized that there were some challenges we weren't aware of and mm -hmm. that that's something that uh started to manifest itself early and we were mm -hmm. unaware of what was going on but we later came to discover there's a, a situation or condition called adoption trauma that a lot of these adoptive kids go through mm -hmm. and it really impacted my eldest son mm -hmm. uh, and it was challenges we were trying to help him navigate through uh, during his his early years and then into his teens and um, still trying to help him navigate and so there's there's a lot of challenges there and I can can go more into it if if you like but it's it's something that I think a lot of uh, parents don't understand when they they go into this they have all the best intentions but yeah. they kind of get blindsided by this and it's yeah. kind of unfortunate absolutely and, and I think what you know people will be listening and saying well yeah okay he adopted two children, found out there's adoption trauma, but the but the the link, I suppose, between what it is I'm doing in in supporting um, women with visual impairments, but also those who are caring for children with additional needs, is that you had um, a dream, a vision, I suppose, of this family that you that you wanted and. You know, you, you adopted these boys and like you say, you thought, well, if we just love them and we care for them, that will be that will be fine. And then you've come, then you came up against this challenge that throws everything out of the everything you, you thought you knew out of the window. Mm -hmm. And it's it's the same thing that that can happen when a, a parent finds out that their child has a visual impairment or has some kind of disability that then means that they have to change the way that they're doing what they're doing you don't mm -hmm. you don't love them any less or you don't care for them any less but you have to you have to intentionally change what you're doing in order to make sure that that child can continue to to grow to grow well so what when you first found out or discovered that um your boys had this condition the, ad the adoption trauma what were the first what were, how, how did you feel about that at first what what were your feelings well it it wasn't anything and I know with the parents you, you're talking about it's not that you're going to abandon ship and, and leave them I mean mm -hmm. you're in it good and bad I mean yeah. that's just part of being a parent mm -hmm. and so uh, the thing we didn't have a a name for it early on we just knew something wasn't right mm -hmm. um there were and the, I'm, I'm specifically talking about my eldest son um more so because he's the one that was really um intense with and the behavior behaviors that uh became really negative 
uh, started early and, and got worse into his teens. But as you know, we didn't know what it was called. And so we tried to get him help. Mm-hmm. We, we tried different ways of parenting. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we've tried to be open-minded as far as, as how we would parent and parent the best way for that child. Mm-hmm. And so, um, it, it resulted in, we even homeschooled the both boys because that was going to help give my wife one-on-one time to make sure he, he got what he needed because he was, it was a challenge for anybody to, to control him as far as, um, in a, in a organized setting. So anyway, that was one of the things we had discovered early on. Then we had him in, in counseling thinking that that could be something we thought it could be ADHD or something along those lines. So we had him tested. Uh, we had him evaluated at the, the local school through their program. Everything came back that there was something going on, but uh, still we didn't have a specific diagnosis, if you will, of what was going on. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until he was 15, 16 that we discovered there is something called adoption trauma. Now, I would think, and this is my naivete about it, I would think that would be something where a child came from a broken home or came from the foster system where mm-hmm. things were not good. And mm-hmm. you could say, okay, this is causing this negative behavior. But mm-hmm. as I said, we, we were blessed to get this boy as a baby. Mm-hmm. And so how, how could he be traumatized? Because our family, there was no we're, you know, two parents that live together. We, we aren't divorced or anything. We aren't shuttling him back and forth. And so we had the nucleus of a family that was nurturing him, but yet that wasn't enough. Mm -hmm. And so we go, what are we doing wrong? Because we had people telling us you're too strict. You're too lenient. You don't know what you're doing. You're failing him. Mm -hmm. And we said, we're trying our best. And when we found out there was something called adoption trauma, we discovered that there was, there are places that, and there are people who understand this situation and can help to help these children navigate these feelings that they can't put a word, put words to because they just feel them. Mm -hmm. They can feel, they, they start to develop this trauma in the womb, which Mm -hmm. just floored us. We said, are you kidding me? And so, uh, but yeah, they can, they can sense when things uh, are negative and in retrospect, we can look back and go, yeah, the situation he came from, and I won't get into details on it, but it wasn't good. Mm-hmm. And that impacted him. And yeah. so he was in fight or flight mode from day one, mm-hmm. he was in fight or flight mode. And that intensifies to the point where when he he didn't like himself and didn't feel like he was enough Mm -hmm. and so once we realized what was going on uh it started his behavior started manifesting itself in ways that weren't safe ways that weren't safe to my wife and my son and i Mm -hmm. other son and not safe to him and so it got to the point where we had to have him um institutionalized if you will sent to a special place that deals with this uh term adoption trauma yeah those people are amazing Mm -hmm. and so i I can tell a little more about that in a second but that's Mm -hmm. that's where we came from and it was out of left field yeah yeah exactly and and 
like you know people can be listening and think well that that's really extreme and that doesn't that doesn't you know that doesn't sound like anything that I've that I've been through but actually it, it can it can the the process that you that you've spoken about you know trying to figure out what is wrong what is mm-hmm. what is what is the problem um because a lot of the challenges that that children and young people can face are hidden for a long time you know or it takes a long time to to kind of get to that to that point and then you've got all the noise of people saying you're not doing this right you did this wrong why you know and as a parent or as a carer you can start to you can feel that inadequacy of is it something that I've done you know is there something more I could have done or have I done too much of of this of this particular thing and you had to make some difficult choices for your son you know for him to go away to you know to be to to receive the intervention that that he needed um but you know you you made that decision you you and your wife made that decision and you know that it was it was the right thing for for him to do mm-hmm. um one of the things i hear about a lot in my work because i i work with um children with special needs with additional needs all kinds of needs and the families as well and one of the issues i hear about a lot is the fact that they spend so much time trying to find out what's wrong you know that that kind of pre-diagnosis process spend so much time trying to find out what is wrong you know and it might take a year it might take five years it might take i don't know eight years to get to get to that point of saying yes this is what my child has mm-hmm. but then the problem then comes you think that's the problem beforehand trying to figure out but the problem comes with what do we do with that mm-hmm. <laughs> what do we do with that and I think you touched upon that a little bit but can you just kind of um sort of focus in on that and just you you got that um diagnosis mm-hmm. then what do what do you what did you do with it Okay, well, ready to help you? Was it, you know? Well, once we got the diagnosis, it was way, way, way too, too late in the game to make some of the interventions that we could have done earlier, had we known. Mm -hmm. I mean, it took us 15 years. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, and one of the reasons it took us so long is because people who go through what the challenges that we go through raising adoptive kids with adoption trauma, mm-hmm. they're shamed into silence. They're shamed into the shadows because mm-hmm. as I, I mentioned earlier, you get told by other people that you don't know what you're doing as far as a parent, mm-hmm. you're, you're too strict, too, too lenient, whatever. And so you don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. And when people aren't talking about it, uh, other people can't be benefited from knowing that they aren't alone. And so when we did find out and we found out there was a place, we, we had him sent to this place and these people, these therapists that deal with this adoption trauma, um, here's how it unfolded for us, because at first we couldn't visit, uh, mm-hmm. but he, because he's, he had to stay there. Um, I, I'll never forget the day we dropped him off. Uh, my wife and I walked into a room after they had taken him aside because he didn't know what was happening. Mm-hmm. They took him aside and he was in a, a small room and I walked in and they say, okay, you need to go in there and say goodbye. And so 
uh, I put my hand on his shoulder and he wouldn't look at me. And I said, I said, uh, mom and I love you. Um, we're going home, but you aren't coming with us. And so it was a few weeks before we actually saw him again. And there was a lot of anger in his eyes, not anger at us, but anger that he couldn't express in words because he didn't understand it. Yeah. And so over, over time, as we would visit, we would start to see in his eyes, especially in his eyes, we could start to see that there was a light coming on mm -hmm. and he was not as angry as he was what's before. And so I was talking to his therapist and I said, what is going on? Because his, his eyes are starting to smile. Mm -hmm. And she said, well, he's starting to like himself. And I said, well, how is that possible? I mean, he hasn't been, he, he's been away from us for a, a few weeks, but he's mm -hmm. starting to like himself. And she said, well, he's journaling. And I said, I said, he's journaling. I mean, this is the boy who would cry when he had to do his, any kind of penmanship things in school. Yeah, yeah. He just hated it, <laughs> but he was required. And all, all of the, they call them the clients that, that go to this place. They were all required to journal. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, I, I'm at a loss because I don't understand how this can help. And she said, well, let me tell you, let me explain it to you this way. She said, she said, you could think of feeling, you can speak a feeling, and, but if you want to touch a feeling, you need to write. And so he was using the power, in, in his case, of pen to paper, where he was putting down thoughts, feelings, emotions that were things he was thinking about. He put them on paper, and that was helping him to release those feelings inside of him because they were, and he didn't know how to verbalize them, so he was just he was just writing yeah. and through prompts they gave him, he was starting to peel back the onion of all of the layers of resentment, the feelings of inadequacy that he didn't know he had until he started mm -hmm. to go through this process. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But one of the really powerful things you, you said was that you're powerful but yet kind of quite upsetting because you know I still see I, I still see that today with with lots of parents who who have children with with additional needs is that they they are shamed into silence mm -hmm. you know don't want to talk about it because of what society says you know or, or people in society will say about you know why your child behaves like why does your child behave like that why can't they behave properly why can't they do this why can't they do that like all the other kids you know like all the other kids don't have issues themselves <laughs> right <laughs> but, um, it's just that it's just that you know those of us children with additional needs or those of us who have additional needs we, we just let everybody know about it <laughs> yeah but the other kids have issues too but that whole being shamed in, into silence is and then the way in which your son was taught to journal, I suppose was his safe space to, to get rid of that shame and start to verbalize in written form what he was feeling, how he was thinking about himself, about, every, about everything. Mm -hmm. And that was his way of starting to come to terms with what was going on and he could start to see a way forward. 
and in in the same way you you know as you visited him you started to you started to see that as well so you saw that you saw that that was working for your son so did you think oh well maybe we should try this as parents as well did you think did you think that actually that process that practice could transfer to for you as well to help because you would you have to you had to process what was going on nobody wants to send their child away somewhere you know where they're not there and having to go and visit them but we know that that's a reality so is that something that you then start started to adopt to do as well or or not well, we were encouraged by the therapist to journal as a family mm -hmm. and that's a tough sell mm. That is a tough sell because, um, first of all, my original idea of journaling, if you will, and I'll just be totally upfront, I thought it was like, like a high school girl with her diary. <laughs> you know, that, that's what I thought journaling lock, was. With the lock on it, with the little lock yeah, in the kitchen. Exactly, you know. <laughs> That's I what I thought it was. Yeah. But as I did more investigation into it, I realized that some of the, what we would say the, the greatest thought leaders in the world were journalers. Mm -hmm. And I just said, okay, there's some, well, that's one thing. I, but I had personal observation that this stuff works. And I mm -hmm. thought, okay, this is legitimate. I don't understand all the science behind it, but I understand that it does work. I know it works. And so yeah. I've, I wanted to be able to speak to it with more authority other than just saying, okay, I saw my son do it. Yeah. And so I'm trying with, as the father in this family to, to show that this works. And so I've been doing it myself yeah. and I've been participating in a challenge and part of this challenge that I made for myself was to journal every day. Mm -hmm. And it's just been amazing to me, the things I've discovered. Yeah. And, you know, I, I have my journal in front of me and I have a list of it must 20 something things I've discovered about journaling for myself that yeah. have just amazed me. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it goes everywhere from clearing mental cl clutter. You know, if I, if I feel overwhelmed or whatever, I can go to my journal and I can just unleash it, just put it down, get it out of my head, or it helps me to unlock mental blocks, if you will. Mm -hmm. If I'm, if I'm stuck on something, then I can journal about it. Or if I want to come solve a problem i can do what i call set the intention I, I ask myself a question before i go to bed and I let my brain work on it overnight yeah and it works mm -hmm. but then you know this the kind of stuff he was going through the stuff he was doing you can start to um put those raw emotions onto paper and i wish i had the um and Frank quote, uh, well, I, it's, I'm going to paraphrase it. She said, um, paper is more patient than people, shows more patience than people. Yeah. Because, you know, you can put it down on paper and mm -hmm. it's not going to dismiss you. Yeah. Um, 
it's just a way to to get these things out of you and touch those feelings in a way that it almost defies comprehension. But I know from my own personal observation and now personal use that it does work. And if you want to, if you want to start feeling better about yourself and stop feeling frustrated over things, this is a, one of the best ways to, to administer self-help to yourself. That mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you, you can control this mm-hmm. and it doesn't take anything fancy to do it. Yeah. You know, pen and paper will do it. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, we were talking, you know, with, with imp- uh, children with impairment, mm-hmm. their, their senses, mm-hmm. the other senses mm-hmm. that they have are, there's a heightened awareness. Yeah. And so tactile, uh, type of things you know feeling and then mm-hmm. maybe speaking what they're feeling you know I, as they feel things i don't know that how that would necessarily work but yeah there would be a way to extract that the same feelings that are inside i think with uh, a journaling yeah absolutely i mean there's you know there's there's different ways of, of adapting you know even the simplest form you know of reading we now we have audio books so mm-hmm. i think the same way that you would you would record your thoughts and on on paper you can record them you know audio audio you can record your voice you can you know there's there's so there's so many there are so many different ways and it's for everybody to find the way that that works for them um Mm -hmm. but but actually the practice of journaling which is no more than just writing down your thoughts yeah (laughs) simplest in its simplest form is no more than writing down down your thoughts and and sometimes I I get to meet parents or even children young people all kinds of people who get get uh, get the news of a diagnosis get the you know are told what what the thing is wrong and they just don't know what to do it's like where do I go what do I do the confusion is so heightened you know that it blocks them from being able to do anything so this process that you're talking about is is actually key to be the first thing you know anybody walking out of a hospital a doctor's office anywhere psychologist's office having received this news needs to foster the practice of finding a way of literally dumping what's in what's going on in your head out onto paper record it into your phone i I don't know anything Mm -hmm. and whether you are and whatever those feelings are angry sad happy i don't know whatever they are they all need to be recorded in some way and Mm -hmm. then continue the process of of doing that yeah i had a conversation with my son and this was after he graduated from the program Mm -hmm. and i was asking him about journaling and i said okay um just help me understand this from your perspective and he said dad it's hard work yeah he said and in a not a really honest moment he said it's a lot easier just to blow up (laughs) than it is to act to put these thoughts on paper because Mm -hmm. it's hard work and the thing is, these feelings that of, you know, whatever they are, and the, 
probably they boil down to some kind of a frustration, whether it's a mm-hmm. diagnosis like you're talking about for mm-hmm. uh, an impairment, or mm-hmm. in his case, a diagnosis of feeling inadequate or whatever, there's mm-hmm. a frustration and it boils up. And if there's not, if you don't find a safe way to release it, there will be an unsafe release of it. And that could be where if it's internalized, it could affect more physical health, but Mm -hmm. then it could, it could be manifested in a negative way by behavior. And so that's what you want to avoid. You you, you want to avoid any kind of uh, repercussions physically, or as your behavior starts to, to go on ways that aren't healthy either. Absolutely. And, and, and what I'm trying to do, and what I'm doing with with this the the whole she is a VIP community movement whatever you want to call it is to help is to encourage um, women just really from my own from my own experience of being diagnosed and living with with sight loss is to really focus on the inner self to really focus on what it is that you are yes feeling or not feeling but more what you're able to do and what then you can bring because like you're saying if we just if we don't have anywhere for these emotions to go or any any outlet for them and yes I I can attest to the fact that I've experienced the the negative (laughs) the negative effects of just keeping all of the frustration in you can Yes, it can come out in a in a in not a very nice way, um, but then you tend to look for the people that you can blame or the services that you can blame or the people who didn't do the thing for you. And if you're not careful, you can get yourself into a pattern where you continue to do that, where it's always somebody else, someone else, somebody didn't do this for me or this didn't work for me, and that that's the reason why I am where I am. But that doesn't help. Well, it, it doesn't really affect the people that you're blaming, but it doesn't help you move. It doesn't help you move forward. It's, it's like that thing around, you know, forgiveness. You know, you don't forgive for the other person. You forgive for yourself because at the end of the day, it's you that you if you harbor that unforgiveness, it, it can do horrible things to you. Mm-hmm. So it's around that focusing on yourself, what you can do. And out of the journaling, what you're saying is that then you start to learn more about yourself and you, you, you then look up and your, your perspective, and I know I use all these analogies around sight and things, but your perspective, whether you can see or not, your perspective is changed and it is, it is different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and I go back to my architectural days too because mm-hmm. I would do perspectives of buildings mm-hmm. and depending upon mm-hmm. where you stood, that's how... That's how the building yeah. would look. And so yeah. your perspective is on where you choose to look at something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so these things that are inside you, yeah. the, the goal is to take these negative things, these negative feelings and replace them with something positive. So you can have a different perspective, a different outlook. Yeah. And so you have to find a way to r- get them out of your system, get them out of your head. Mm-hmm. journaling is a way you know and then you replace it with good things and you know when i talk about journaling there's no one right way i there's so yeah. many different ways people can do it yeah 
sometimes I'll just copy a, a quote that speaks to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it helps me when I do that kind of copy work, it helps me to slow down and really understand the phrasing that's going on in the, in the words and the meanings behind them. And as I internalize that there, there's a sense of calmness that comes over me because I'm taking the time to internalize those and replace whatever's inside me with something Mm -hmm. more positive. Mm -hmm. And so that's another facet of this that you're kind of releasing and replacing Mm -hmm. to, to get better thoughts in your head. So you can be productive otherwise yeah. you're, you're going to play the victim card and you know i don't think anybody really wants to do that because it makes you miserable yeah yeah and the 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 ideas as well the ideas and the possibilities that can come when you start to focus on on yes how you're feeling and we're not we're not negating the the, the <clears throat> The negative feelings they're there we need to feel them we need to be able to kind of process them but at the same time doing continuously doing that work or as continuously as you as you can to do that work will then start to help you see what what it is you can do and the impact that you can make and what you learn about yourself is is all part of your story that will help someone else you know it's not it's nothing is is lost it's it just goes into the big container that is life and you sift through and and figure out you know okay so someone else who's going through this particular issue i can help them because i've i've processed it and i've come to you know a point of accepting what what is going on right well and there's there's no shame in having feelings of frustration or whatever that are a result of, well, say a diagnosis. Mm-hmm. There, there's no shame in feeling like, oh, this is terrible. It is terrible. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So give yourself the grace, you know, and this is one thing that just amazes me. And I'm speaking just, I'm just as guilty as the next person. I'm more willing to give grace to others than I am myself. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I'll so. <laughs> Yeah. So we need to be willing to give ourselves grace and not beat ourselves up because, oh, I'm thinking bad, bad thoughts. I'm thinking negative thoughts here. Mm-hmm. Okay. You are, but why are you thinking those mm-hmm. take the time to, to sit with those for a while, mm-hmm. get them out of your system with, you know, again, with the pen to paper or speak it or whatever, you know, get that yeah. out of your system. Mm-hmm. And then you can move forward, but yeah. don't try to suppress it. You know, don't feel guilty and say, you know, I shouldn't be feeling this way. So you just try to gloss over it. You can't do that. You need to, you know, sit with it for a while, process yeah. it. I'm not saying you process it for 30 seconds. I'm just saying you, you need to give yourself grace in order to process because yeah, it's time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some, some of these things, you know, life altering challenges, you just don't get over it in 30 seconds. We, no. we aren't a, you know, a commercial or a, a television show where everything's wrapped up in a bow in 30 yeah. minutes, you know? So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and giving grace, but also this space as well to, to understand that actually the, those things will change over time. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I mean, I was, I was told that my site, I would be blind by 30. The possibility was that I would lose all of my sight. And, you know, thankful that 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 isn't the case. But, you know, I'm 40 now. 
God willing, I have another 40 some years left to live. Mm -hmm. I don't know what's going to happen in that time. None of us do. But I suppose when you live with a condition that, you know, has been diagnosed already, you, you kind of it's always in the back of my mind. OK, this year has been good. Haven't had too much deterioration. Everything's been quite stable, but just don't know. So mm -hmm. it's it's being ready as well. And I suppose journaling would prepare people to you you would be ready wouldn't you because you'd know the next step to take when there's a change when there's a dip or you know something or something changes that that means that you have to adjust slightly again journaling would help you see you through that that chain yeah well with your diagnosis there's so many things that are out of your control and you have yeah. no power over i mean you don't yeah. have hopefully it won't deteriorate anymore and your mm -hmm. site will remain what it is mm -hmm. but the one thing you have power over and i think this is one of the things that people really need to realize here is that you do have the power over how you think about it and yeah. so when you have and this I, I want to to say this in a way to empower people to realize that even though life has dealt you a bad hand in some respects that doesn't mean that life is is useless or you aren't going to be able to be a productive member yeah. of society you have Absolutely. contribution to make yeah. and one of one person said this to me about my son you know and this was about other people too you know these challenges could be his greatest asset absolutely yeah 100% and so you know i don't know what that how that will translate but just mm -hmm. the fact that we have the power to to control what we allow inside our heads and what we we process that gives me hope that all of us can deal with whatever stuff is going on in our lives yeah. because even the people we talked about earlier that you know seem to have it all together <laughs> we're all we all have messy lives you know yeah. we just yeah. do and so not, not that I take great pleasure in knowing that you don't have it all together <laughs> when I see someone just like that no but yeah I know that's, no. That's not, it's not it's no. not true <laughs> not at all yeah. that's yeah. definitely true yeah your challenge your challenge your challenges can be your greatest asset yeah it, it is absolutely 100 and it and it might take it might take a long time you know something that I've never you know say diagnosed at 15 and now I'm 40 and thinking well yes I've used the story of my difficulties to help the children that I the children and the families that I've worked with within the schools but actually seeing that as something that can be that can go wider and have a greater impact for more people is what I'm starting to understand and realize now and I guess the podcast is kind of my journal <laughs> as I talk yeah. to people I, I kind of you know process and I, and then I listen back and I think oh I didn't I didn't hear that before and I learned that and I learned something new about myself and about the way in which I I am still growing and still and still developing so yeah mm -hmm. well mm -hmm. something I journal today and it, it came out because I was looking at something else Mm -hmm. I just started writing and I thought, and this came out, whether it makes sense to anybody, I'm going to share it with you. I said, don't be surprised if all of the experiences in your life don't make sense until they do. Because if I look at my own life, finding a, a wife in New York, 
that was just that came out of nowhere and mm -hmm. then the the two sons we were blessed to adopt I, I we don't have time to tell the full story of how that happened but You'll suffice to it to say <laughs> it it should have fallen through yeah and then on the second one we were 20th something on the list mm. and because of the way we had filled out our questionnaire and our um the, the the things that the the lawyer wanted to know about us we jumped from 20 to something to number one on the list no yeah you know and so mm -hmm. we were supposed to get these boys and i don't understand it i still don't understand why all the challenges that we have gone through they haven't been pleasant yeah but mm -hmm. it i know and i have the faith that something good will come out of it mm -hmm. um mm -hmm whether I get more resolve, my son gets more resolve or someone else is able to see from what we've gone through and maybe head this off before it gets to the point, like we had to take yeah, more drastic yeah. measures, mm -hmm. you know? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. What's that phrase, you know, life, everything in life is happening for you, not, not to you. Everything happens for you. Mm -hmm. you know see if we see things like that then it would be a, then getting up in the morning and facing whatever we have to face it it, it puts a different slant on it doesn't it it's like well this is happening yeah. for me so let me just take it and see where and see where it you know where it ends up mm -hmm. so yeah thanks for, for telling us that story is so what are you doing right now because i see you on instagram and you do these daily daily doables and all the things mm -hmm. so would you just tell us a bit about what you're doing right now well I, I wanted to participate in this challenge it's it's 100 days and as we're recording this i think i'm on day i lost track it's 78 i believe but mm -hmm. what i've been doing is i wanted to challenge myself to create 100 positive affirmations okay. and so what i've been doing through this process and one of my other goals was to discover what I could about journaling. So mm -hmm. I've been journaling now for 100, well, 70 something days straight mm -hmm. to discover what I can learn about journaling. But in the process of doing that, I'm also creating these affirmations. And mm -hmm. typically what I'll do the night before is I will set the intention or I will ask myself a question. What and my process for creating these uh, affirmations is I record a video every day. And yeah. what I do is I, I have selected a number of words, positive words, mm -hmm. and I ask friends of mine and, and colleagues to, to share words that they resonated with. Mm -hmm. And I've turned those words into acronyms. And then I take each letter, I take one letter per day and yeah. do a three to four minute video on it. Mm -hmm. And so as I've done that, I've discovered a lot about myself and I've just, I'm going to go back when this is all concluded to, to look for those nuggets in the videos. Yeah. But I've really learned a lot about myself and this whole journey of journaling that I'm going to be able to share some insights with that and maybe help people. Because I, I want, in a lot of my videos, you said the daily doables, I, I usually give an, I always give an action step. Yeah. Because I want to keep it simple. And so I, I give an action step in, in each of my videos. And some of those I've been giving journaling prompts out. 
and I think the the way I, I look at this is that we have so much control over what how we think if I can give people a prompt that they mm -hmm. can work on and work through mm -hmm. then it will help them through the process too and so I'm yeah. encouraging journaling and I'm, I'm building these affirmations because I really believe that if we think about different things and mm -hmm. you know i've unplugged a lot from society as far as the news and such i yeah. i realized that was just toxic and so um i'm trying to focus more on on positive things and when things i need to be aware of happen i'm aware of them but yeah. for the most part i try to 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 stay clear of that and focus on me but i'm working on that and I, i'm going to try to come up with i'm you're you're way ahead of me on the podcast because I'm, I'm planning a podcast to launch that this fall and so these 100 videos that yeah. i'm going to have created that might be the seed for the podcast i'm i'm still mm -hmm. fleshing it all out but i yeah. i think that could be the seed for the podcast so we'll see where it goes but like we said you know where i'm way ahead i feel i don't feel like i'm way ahead of anybody but <laughs> <laughs> We're all we're all where we need to be. I think if we start to like say, oh well, this person's got that many, you know, we're all where, exactly where we need to be. And I was I was really pleased when you said I'm going to start a podcast because I thought that's great because I think your your videos and I'll link to all of everything that you do in, in the show notes. But your videos are really are great, and I think you 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 have a really good podcast on your hands if you if you go that route. So yeah, it was it's that's really good, really good to oh, hear. Thank you, I appreciate it. Really appreciate good. it. Yeah. So all things journaling. So everyone listening, we need to we need to get journaling. Pen, paper, phones, recording, however it is we do it. That's what we need to start doing that. And maybe, maybe she's a VIP will do a hundred day challenge in, in, in the near future. Maybe we'll we'll start that and see how <laughs> how the different ways in which people are are recording, are journaling, the different ways yeah. in which visually impaired people are, are journaling and and you can share that with Tim and, and and see what he thinks. See what he thinks of the whole thing. That could be, that could be interesting. An interesting project to, to do. Yeah. So thank you so much, Tim, for being part of the show today. Well, I appreciate it. Now I hope yeah. something that we've said in this conversation um, will encourage someone, whether it's adoption yeah. or or the the side impairment. Um, mm -hmm. I, I I know that the the journaling can um, can help you to yeah. to see things and, and find things and discover things about yourself that might help mm -hmm. you so mm -hmm. i really want to encourage people to use it yeah i think there'll be more than one thing that people can take from this so we have to listen a few few times but there'll be <laughs> more than one thing that can be taken i've learned a lot today and you know i try and journal like written journal but I'm not that that consistent. But maybe I need to start like thinking. Well, do I do it in a in a different way in the way that I'm suggesting that that others do it? But um, yeah, I can see the I can see the benefits definitely, and I hope that um, people listening will will take it on board and and at least try. Maybe not yeah. maybe not days, but maybe seven. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. And the, yeah. The one thing I want to make sure people realize: some days, like last night. I went to bed and I didn't write anything down. I'd written stuff mm -hmm. earlier in the day, mm -hmm. but some days it might just be a couple of lines and someday yeah. it might be a, a, a full page. Yeah. There's no right way to do this. It's whatever's mm -hmm. right for you. Yeah. And so you, you just have to identify that and um, 
when once you find that uh, and again don't beat yourself up if you don't do it every day mm-hmm. again give yourself some grace because you know yeah. life gets in the way and Absolutely. so just find yeah. what works for you yeah yeah find what works for you yeah because there's so many so many people so many different ways and you think that though that must be the right way but it's it's about finding what mm-hmm. what works absolutely that's great well everything that you um do and create will be in in the show notes there'll be lots of things for for people to go and check check you out and find out what it is what it is that you're doing just before we go um i ask these three questions to all my guests just because i like to see what how they react to being asked questions (laughs) (laughs) okay some people get quite stressed and they're like oh what are all these questions okay so um within the she is a vip community we believe that our vip status stretches far beyond our visual impairment so we believe that we are very important people we believe that we hold a very important place in the world and we believe that we have a very important purpose to fulfill what makes you um, a very know that you are a very important person i believe because god created me as he created all of us that's why we're all important we're all unique absolutely and what is the very important place you hold right now in the world that goes back to my my personal mantra is do what you can now because i believe we all have our own abilities and i can't do what you can you can do and you can't do what i can do but if i could focus on what I can do and that alone and we all do that a lot of good can happen yeah and what is the very important purpose that you fulfill right now the I think it's raising awareness about adoption trauma Mm -hmm. and you know my purpose is I still have one son under the roof and I want to get him prepared as much as I can for adulthood so I look at that as my my big goal right now yeah yeah and if you do that right then the the world is you know (laughs) be a good place if we can all send our children out (laughs) Mm -hmm. and get them as prepared as possible then we've done the job haven't we that's that's fantastic well thank you so much for being part of the show today tim and i look forward to seeing you know the the work that you do and um there'll be some links to some uh, resources that you have as well there'll be some links to those in the in the show notes too so everyone should check those out but thank you so much for being part of the show today thank you i really appreciate it bam yeah i had a good time it was good to see you okay bye thanks to tim for the wisdom that you have brought to us today i hope you've enjoyed listening to this conversation and that it has helped you in some way here are the very important points to take away number one when you find out that something isn't right it's not that you're going to abandon ship you are in for the ride good and bad Number two, there are places and people who understand your situation. Number three, don't allow yourself to be shamed into silence. When you speak up, it will help others know that they are not alone. Number four, you can think a feeling, you can speak a feeling, but if you want to touch a feeling, you need to write. Number five, some of the greatest thought leaders in the world were journalists. Number six, 
Paper shows more patience than people. Number seven. If you don't find a safe way to release what you are feeling, it will be released in an unsafe way. Number eight. We need to give ourselves some grace and sit with the negative feelings we are facing. Number nine. There are many things you don't have any power to change. The one thing you do have the power to do is choose how you think. Number 10. Your challenges can end up being your greatest asset. Number 11. Don't be surprised if all of the experiences in your life don't make sense until they do. If you go to the show notes of this episode, you'll find a link to a free PDF journaling guide created by Tim that will help you discover the words inside you that you can share with the people who matter most. In the show notes, you can also find the different ways that you can connect with Tim. Before I go, let me remind you again that if there is anything from this or previous episodes that particularly resonates with you, head over to the website sheisavip.com where you can find out more about how you can connect and work with me. Until next week, remember that you are a very important person who holds a very important place in the world and that you have a very important purpose to fulfil. 